I still have the old, uh, the old fashioned microphone uh, holding it up to my mouth, you know, kind of thing. But it's very casual. It's, <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like I'm uh, on the set of Mad Men, you know, casually holding a cigarette close to my mouth all the time. But it's just a, it's a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I'm always trying to be careful not to, uh, you know, pop my peas and and all that. So, uh, you know, all yeah, those little audio that's tricks. The challenge of working on a mic. Yep. Although, although pop my peas is, uh, you know. Slang for something else, I think. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say it was your uh, your White Snake cover band in high school. There, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this recorder seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. back to Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. I'm your host, uh, Douglas Arthur, and uh, today's topic is going to be one of my favorites, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I'll be chatting that up uh, with uh, my uh, my good friend Chad Bernacki of the Bupkiss Show, which you can find on iTunes. Um, but before we got started, I just wanted to uh, jump into a a few reminders. Um, if you want to contact the show, you can reach us at spacemules at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at spacemules. That's all one word. Uh, we even have a Facebook page that you can uh, that you can reach us on um, as well for show notes, pictures, uh, updates, um, all sorts of things. You can leave, leave us feedback there as well. Uh, and um, don't forget too, if you're interested. Uh, you can help support the show by going over to Cafe Press slash Space Mules and picking up some uh, Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules swag. Um, so on that note, uh, without further ado, we'll get on with the show. Hey gang, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know about one of my other projects. I record music under the band name Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience, and if you like experimental music in the vein of Brian Eno and Robert Fripp with the dash of Trent Reznor and Mark Mothersbaugh thrown in for good measure, then you ought to give it a try. I have three albums out so far called Flying to Orlando, Encased in Glue, and A Strong Scent of Cedar. All three albums are available for a download or physical CD from Amazon.com, so choose your poison. Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience is frequent guest host Michael Noble's 10th favorite band, and if that's not a ringing endorsement, I don't know what is. Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience. Ask for it by name. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another fine episode of Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. Uh, my guest this week is uh, Chad Bernacki, who is the uh, podcaster for the great Bupkiss show. Uh, you can find that on iTunes and other various places on the web. Uh, a, a real funny show. Uh, Chad and I worked together at Apple for a few years, so uh, so we know each other that way. And uh there's a, a strange connection to a childhood friend of mine as well. He's a, kind of like a second or third cousin or something to a friend of mine from high school. So uh, that was kind of a, an odd connection that we discovered after the fact, too. So, uh, so Chad, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, and then uh, we'll get into the topic at hand uh, today. We're going to be talking about uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is one of my favorites and 
one of Chad's favorites too. So Chad, why don't you introduce yourself to the folks at home? Well, thank you, Douglas. Uh, yes, as Doug said, I am one of the co-hosts of The Bup Kiss Show, which I do with my brother. It is a comedy show, but it is not for the faint of heart. Um, uh, as Douglas said, I worked at Apple for quite a few years and love that. And he offered me to come on and review a movie. He told me to find something I liked that was a little off the beaten path. And I know The Holy Grail isn't entirely off the beaten path. But it's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I think it qualifies as a as a cult film, even though it's kind of crossed over into mainstream uh, here in the internet age. <laughs> but but yeah. it definitely qualifies, I think. And it is it is way older than I am. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, we can start off there. I suppose it, it came out in uh, 1975, and I was actually. Uh, Eight years old when it when it uh, when it arrived in theaters, certainly way too young uh, for an R-rated feature. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you know, I remember vividly seeing the the ads for it in the newspaper. Um, you know, uh, my 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 brother and I and uh, you know and, and the rest of my brothers and sisters were were very rabid uh, newspaper readers. Um, Back there in the mid '70s, uh, um, we our, our television was often broken, and so we went months at a stretch without TV. So our, our biggest source of entertainment was reading the newspaper and reading the comics in the newspaper, and and uh, just reading in general. Um, so uh, I always loved looking at the movie listings. Even though I was far too young to go to many of them, but uh, I, I I vividly do remember the Monty Python and the Holy Grail ads because they were a little bit different than um, than the typical ads I I saw in the in the paper. So uh, I didn't actually wind up getting to see Holy Grail until college. Um, so I was you know eighteen nineteen years old before I saw it. So there was uh, a a good stretch in between. Um, before before I had seen the film, um, so uh, what like well, I, what what was your experience like when when you discovered Monty Python and and uh, you know and their film work? Well, well, the the first thing I want to bring up is that you mentioned that uh, for you, do you recall it being R? Because everywhere I read and understand, it, it's rated PG. I think I think uh, to me back then everything was rated R. <laughs> Oh <laughs> well, well. If I could, I if I couldn't go see it, it was rated R. Okay, because because that's what I want to bring up. I am amazed by the fact that this is a PG film. Like that, that blows me away. And and we can talk more about that later. But I actually put together a list of all the things that make me go, really, this is PG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the the rating system was uh, much different back in the you know back in the seventies. And you're right. I'm looking at the DVD jacket right now, and it's PG. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I I would have expected, uh, knowing all of the uh, bloodshed in there, that it would have been rated R, I suppose. And, but and and all of the oral sex. No. So. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> but so. but you know, PG movies. You know, you used to see breasts and stuff back in the seventies. It was a uh, it was a different time. It was a different I know. Time. We need we need we need more PG movies. <laughs> <laughs> So, but my, I, you know, I honestly can't recall the first time that I saw Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm sure it was probably with my dad and my brothers. It was probably maybe a rental that my dad picked up or maybe something from the library because the library always has older movies you can rent for sure, free. Sure, yep. But I, I do remember watching it from the beginning and falling in love with the movie. And it's, it's definitely, I would easily say, in my top ten favorite movies of all time. And for being a movie from 1975, I think it holds up phenomenally well, uh, especially if you have a great sense of humor and, and understand everything that's happening in front of you. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's funny that uh, for, for when you kind of look at it, that it, it, it almost seems kind of was like it was pieced together uh, last minute, but there's little details. They threw a lot of detail into the movie, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so funny um, is – that they didn't 
they didn't skimp on the detail. And, and by adding that detail, it, it added almost uh, a level of realism to the, <laughs> you know, to the, to the surrealism that they were throwing around. Uh, and it, it, it kind of made it funnier. Uh, um, you know, there's just yeah. a lot of different little, little details, uh, you know, background uh, stuff they had going on in the background. And, um, you know, it, it was it's really amazing what they were able to do on what was essentially a low budget. Um, you know, their their TV show is, uh, I think, uh, going off the air or was off the air at that point. Uh, they had started the show in 1970, I think it was. And I think by the mid 70s, it it only lasted four or five seasons. And then they started getting into the trying to get in and doing the movies um, and kind of, you know, prolonging their careers that way i suppose yeah i mean monty python all the way around though from their shows because obviously i didn't grow up with it so i've had to go back and watch things you know so holy grail was definitely i think my first intro into mighty python and that's what actually brought me back to want to watch the show and watch the life of brian and and all of the other movies and stuff and and really enjoy the right. comedy that's there you know it's it's such a great sense of humor mm. and it's so simple and that's why i love it you know it it really is it's uh it's 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 a weird mix because there's um kind of this kind of uh silly there's a level of silliness to it but there's also a level of intellectual humor to it and then there's also kind of like this slapstick <laughs> You know, they're they're dumping uh, buckets of shit on each other <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, so, so, you know, the, there's definitely it, it works on so many different levels um, that, it, it, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it really uh, is quite an achievement. I just I, you know, I rewatched it just this morning before uh, the, you know, before we recorded so that I could be a little fresh on it. And I, I was really amazed at uh, how well it it held together because uh, I hadn't seen it in in uh, several years. So um, it really it really does hold up. Um, they really did a, a a great job, and it was you know a, a very low budget movie. Uh, they didn't have a lot of funding for it, um, and as a result, that kind of it it gave them that freedom. Too, uh, there wasn't a lot of bean counters and uh, studio executives looking over their shoulders, um, so they were pretty free and wild with what they were able to put on the screen, and um, it 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 just worked. Um, it really just worked. Um, any any chance? Do you have the special edition? I do actually. Okay, all right. Well, I do as well. So the the behind the scenes is really awesome to watch and to see how. They basically used one castle to shoot like every single scene that was castle related. Yes, um, you know <laughs> to the to the point where Sir Galahad was going up the stairs and and following the one woman, and then they show you that 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 doorway they went through led to nothing, and then you know <laughs> just just all those little things that they had to use in order to be able to you know stay on a low budget and and be able to accomplish all the things that they did and they did such a wonderful job with that like you were saying is yeah. that they had such a few amount and, and and that actually brings up a great scene in the movie which mm -hmm. although I will say in this movie I think every scene is the best scene well, that, that every time you watch it you're like this is the best scene no this is the best scene no, this is the best scene well I, you know I was doing that this morning I was thinking about okay I, I was trying to take notes because I always put in little drop quotes from whatever we're talking about in the podcast and I was looking at this going I'm pretty much just going to be copying the whole soundtrack <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, that's, and that's a challenge but to, to the to the credit of their budget, you know, they, the first scene is just this foggy land. You know, it's, it's supposed to be England, but they actually filmed it all in Scotland. Yep. And all you hear is, you know, this clacking of like hooves from, from a horse. Right. And then all of a sudden you see emerging from the mist is King Arthur 
and what's supposed to be his horse, but it's really a man with two coconuts that's knocking them together. And the whole reason that even existed in the movie was because they didn't have enough money to get horses. So it's like <laughs> exactly. this, this terrible money failure where someone that was forcing them to do a budget would have been like, well, we, we got to figure out how to get horses or we're going to have to cut here to get horses. We need horses. Right. That coconut thing then resides through the entire movie from beginning to end. Like, I, I think that movie would not be as good if the coconuts weren't there. Right, because exactly. It, it's, it's just throughout the entire movie. There, there, There's like a little throwaway uh, scene when we first uh, meet, um, is it uh, Sir Guinevere? Where he, yes, the first he's, guy. He's, 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 there's just a little throwaway with him tying a coconut to a, bir- to a bird's feet yes. and letting it fly to see if it'll work. Uh, you know, and then you know, there's there's uh, you know the question at the at the bridge of death at the end is a, you know there's a question about the the sparrows uh, you know uh, being able to carry coconuts. They they carry that coconut yeah. motif throughout. The interesting thing about the the horse thing though is that I discovered that by towards the end of the movie, you didn't even really notice that they weren't on horses anymore. You just kind of accepted the fact that they were wandering around the countryside clopping uh, coconuts together <laughs> as their form <laughs> of transportation. <laughs> and, and they decided on coconuts because that's what sound film guys used to make the sounds of hooves for horses. Yeah. So that's why they decided to do coconuts in the first place. But honestly, that is the one underlying theme all the way from the beginning, basically the end of the movie, and is just, I think, necessary. Like, I don't, I feel like that movie would have just been a completely different movie because you would have lost the coconuts in the beginning, which is just immediately funny. Right. You would have lost the banter between him and the guys that were on top of the castle about, well, where did you get the coconuts from? Right. You missed little tidbit scenes, like you said, you know, the questions about the swallows, all of that stuff all the way through the, the, the guy that got shot, one of um, Sir Lancelot's horsemen, oh, you know, right. that got yep. shot. Yep. You know yep. I mean? But he wouldn't have been there, and that scene wouldn't have been as funny because he thinks he's dead, but he's really not. He's like, well, mortally wounded. He's like, no, no, I, I think I'll get better. Like, I mean, <laughs> all of those things wouldn't have been there if they had enough money for horses. Exactly. I mean, that, that just shows you that sometimes when things don't work out, they actually work out better. <laughs> you know, and, and that's funny because that brings another motif that kind of – uh, went through the movie, which I which I think is is, is almost a very British attitude. Uh, you know, keeping the whole stiff upper lip, uh, that whole thing. But that whole concept of, uh, you know, uh, I, I I'm getting better. I, I I'm not dead yet. You know, uh, the, the whole bring out your dead sequence. Uh, uh, it, you know, the sequence. Uh, you know, like you said, when uh, Lancelot is, is it goes to rescue. Um, the prince from the castle, uh, you know, and 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 uh, Eric Idle's character there says, "Oh, I'm feeling better." Uh, even uh, in the Sir Guinevere uh, thing, it's like, "Oh, she turned me into a newt." Uh, you know, it's like, "Well, you well, you're not a newt now." So like, I got better. I mean, it's yeah. just the, the the it it, it follows through um, yeah. all the way to the end, um, and 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 so it's it, it it turns into kind of this recurring motif and. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's one of the brilliant things about uh, about the, the, this movie is that they took all of these kind of um, different sequences that uh, only you know maybe only about half the movie is related. Uh, they kind of have these scenes intercut that um, move this quote unquote story forward. It's a it's a really bare bones <laughs> kind of story, uh, but. They they were they're able to tie it together with these little details about yeah. the coconuts or you know uh, the the whole concept of uh, I got better um, so it's it's really in, in ingenious in a way of how they how they're able to how they were able to tie it all together yeah because I mean in, <clears throat> excuse me it, the movie is just literally a series of clips I mean that that is <clears throat> that is the movie for all intents and purposes yes exactly. you watch it, it's like clip it's like scene 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 like but nothing like i said it isn't truly flowing as much as it is just there's those little bits that keep it together right that like tie one scene to another scene that was you know a couple previously but otherwise it's literally just these separate scenes and all of them are funny like i i think you could almost take any scene 
from that movie completely on its own and still laugh at it and have no idea the rest of the context. And, and, this, I mean? and this is definitely uh, one of those movies, too, where you could ask any given person what their favorite scene in this movie is, and they will give you a completely different scene. You will get, you know, 10 different answers from 10 different people what their favorite scene in this movie is because yeah. it, it's just so solid and... Uh, you know, so well put together um, that it, it it's it's pretty amazing um, when you think about it. Because a lot of times, you, you especially with the more modern comedies, you know, you ask somebody, oh, what was a funny scene? Everybody always, you know, says just about the same thing. You know, anybody I've talked to uh, about, say, Bridesmaids, for example, a movie I haven't seen, but they almost always... Which is oh, very funny, by the way. Which is very funny, but they almost always talk about the... Um, the the diarrhea scene you know like okay yeah it was, it, was there any was there anything else funny in there you know it but but with this movie i mean you, you know people talk about the black knight or they'll talk about you know the castle anthrax or they'll talk about uh you know the 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 scene with um with lancelot uh you know and and the wedding party and uh you know, yep. or the or the the, uh, the the Trojan rabbit, or the 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 killer bunny. Uh, you know, there's there's just so many great scenes and great funny comic <laughs> exactly. bits. Uh, you know, which which makes it <laughs> which makes it really hard uh, to to pinpoint. You know, uh, you know any one uh, one source of comedy. It's just, just they really just threw the whole kitchen sink in there, and and a lot of it actually worked. <laughs> Dress her up like this. No! 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 no. no. Yes. 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 Yeah, 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 a bit. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. A bit. She has got a wart. <laughs> what makes you think she is a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt. I got better. Burn her anyway! I want to say, at, at the entire movie, I actually only have one kind of gripe. I, I love basically every aspect of the movie for every reason. The only one that's like, meh, and it's the only scene, every other scene in there I think is absolutely flawless and phenomenal is when they go to Camelot and they do like the singing thing. Oh, like that, right. That's yep. the only part of the entire movie where I'm like, meh. Like that's the only scene like if they left out, I think the movie's perfect. <laughs> I, I, other than that, I think that's the only scene in the entire thing where I'm like, Okay, you know, like, I understand it's British humor, and I usually get British humor without a problem, but, like, the dancing scene was okay, but I'm, I totally live without it. The rest of the movie, though, I think every scene is the best scene. So. <laughs> Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Knights, I bid you welcome to your new home. Let us ride to Camelot. <laughs> We're knights of the round table, three dance where we're able. We do routines to call a scene to put work in the cable. We dine well here in Camelot, we eat ham and jam and spamot. We're knights of the round table, our shows are more mid-table. So many times we give and rise that our quite unsing able. We're all combating Camelot, we sing from the dire Camelot. It, it, it's tough. I, I mean, I, I, my, my personal favorite. I mean, I really like the, uh, I really like the Black Knight scene. I really like the the scene towards the end with the Bridge of Death. Of course, uh, you know, there's just you know, it. This movie is so quotable. I, I mean, it's, uh, oh, it, it's yeah. really, uh, it's got to be one of the most quoted movies of all time. I, I have no direct I, uh, knowledge or fact of that, but I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's got to be true. <laughs> I, I would I would not disagree with you at all. And I mean, obviously, that's within a circle of people that we know that are like minded to us. But there's not a movie I know that is more quoted than this one. I mean, it just there's just no way. I don't know. I don't know more quotes from any other movie more than I do from this one. But I think a big part of that, though, is because the because the movie is so many separate scenes, each one of them are memorable on their own. 
You know what I mean? You, you, right. And like you were saying before, with like a funny film, you know, there's a lot of parts that are funny, but there's something that's really funny. So that one part stands out. Everything here is really funny. I mean, yep. even where the yep. Knights of Knee like tell them that like, well, we need more shrubbery. And then like one more thing, you need to cut down a tree with a herring. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, but it's, but it's hysterical. And then right. you find out that, you know, they can't hear the word it. You know, right. there, there's, it's, it's just always funny. Like everything in that movie is funny. So, and that's, and that's why I think it's, it's so quotable. I mean, I, I think it's almost quotable, like from beginning to end. You know, <laughs> just absolutely. As good it is. Absolutely. So. You know, sir, not appearing in this film. This film. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just little throwaway jokes like that that are yeah. that are just hilarious. <laughs> now, now, I I should say that this movie, I, I was not quite entirely correct by saying this movie starts with a foggy scene and uh, King Arthur coming with his steed. This movie actually starts in, as a black and white film. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, th- the thing that was interesting, um, I-, I remember the first time I saw it in the th- in the theater when I was in college, um, and just the uh, the opening titles, the the opening credits. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I, they did. I, it kind of threw me when I put the DVD in. They they actually uh, changed it for the DVD by by kind of inserting this. Uh, other weird film from the 50s <laughs> for the first couple of minutes and then they're like oh oh wrong film you know and and then they started with the actual movie on the dvd but it, in the theaters it starts with the you know the opening credits uh you know and they've got the uh, the swedish subtitles <laughs> or the faux swedish subtitles that uh, you know that they uh, that they use which was uh, pretty ingenious. Uh, I mean, back in the mid '70s, you know, uh, there was a lot. Uh, the film industry was different. The movie-going public was different than it is uh, today. And it, you could actually, uh, there was actually a market for foreign films with subtitles. Uh, you know, Bergman films. Uh, Ingmar Bergman was 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 very big back in the you know '60s and '70s, and that's kind of what they were going for there. They were kind of doing a Bergman film in reverse by having an English film with Swedish subtitles instead of the other way around. That's what uh, I was going to ask you because that was, to me, it was funny, but just because of what it what it was at that moment and, and what I still see it as. But I wanted to ask you, I was like, but I know that's in reference to something because these yes. guys don't do anything for no reason. You know, exactly. there, there is that intelligent design behind everything they do. Exactly. And I was so curious. I'm like, but why did they do it? And what language is that supposed to be? So, <laughs> see, now you, you've bridged that gap. So now I know what it's in reference to. Yes. So. Uh, well, another another tactic that they employed, and they did it a lot in their... Um, in their TV show too, is they would uh, they would use titles as kind of a way to uh, pad the screen screen time <laughs> a little bit. I mean, if you take away uh, the the opening titles and you take away that sequence at the end with the organ music, I mean, that's like ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> the running time <laughs> is, is gone. Uh, you know, so it it, it it's. Uh, and then, and, and you know, and that's one thing too. When seeing that that movie in the in the in a theater for the first time, I I was shocked that the movie ended the way that it ended. I thought that the film actually broke. <laughs> I thought the film actually broke, and I was like, oh, "Well, how's the movie end?" And then all of a sudden, the music comes <clears throat> up. You know, after after about thirty seconds of darkness. The, the you know the organ music comes up and I and I went with a friend of mine who had seen the movie before and he's like and I was like well how does the movie end obviously they had a, a defective print you know because we always had the you know used prints that they were showing yeah. in college you know and, and and he was like no no that's how it ends that's the end of the movie and I was like I like oh you got to be kidding me he's like no that's how the movie ends <laughs> so <laughs> that always that always got me you know it's like it, it just kind of it just kind of ends you know. It, 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 and it's amusing, uh, you know, they kind of had that bit, you know, uh, that every now and then they would show a clip of what was going on with the police investigating the murder of the uh, of the film historian or, or yeah. the or the historian. 
And, and so, and it eventually ends with them all, you know, bringing the paddy wagon out and arresting everybody. And that's the end of the movie. And, and it just, you know, I, it was just such a weird, surreal ending. But, it, you know, as I've gotten older, I, it certainly makes a lot more sense. And I, and, and, and I laugh at it more than I did then. You know, I, I was so wrapped up into the whole in the whole quest for the Holy Grail that I was disappointed that they never got to it. But I guess, you know, that that was kind of the point is, you know, exactly. even even in the lore and literature that the, the Holy Grail was never found. It was always this great unknown quest that never finished. And I guess, you know, at the age of 18 or 19, I didn't have enough uh, worldly knowledge to to understand that. So I was like, what? how can they end it without them finding the grail? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, and, and that's the thing. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought I had read or, or heard that part of the reason they did the ending too, was because they pretty much ran out of money. Like they really didn't have much left to continue with uh, the rest of the movie. That's, that probably sounds about right. I mean, I honestly don't know the, the full answer to that, but um, that's, that sounds very plausible given, uh, you know, some of the, the other cost cutting measures that they used for the rest of the film too. Um, you know, obviously I think they all played multiple roles. Um, oh yes. You know, I, I, IMDB has a list here. These guys are ridiculous. They, all of them play at least like six different people. Oh, easily, <laughs> easily. Yeah. So if they weren't, if they weren't in one scene, uh, as a, as a main character, quote unquote, as one of the knights, they were in, you know, as a, as a peasant or, uh, you know, some other bystander. I mean, there, there's a scene in the whole bring out your dead scene. Um, right, right at the very beginning. Uh, Michael Palin is just kind of scrambling through the streets with stocks on. Um, but he, he doesn't have any dialogue or anything. He just, he's just a background character, yep. but, he, <laughs> but he's there and he's, he's, uh, you know, kind of scrambling through the mud and he's got his arms up in the stocks and he's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, that that's the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of uh, uh, dedication that they had to, to make this. They were very motivated, you know, to make this movie, um, you know, what it was. Now, now, there's a very interesting thing that I'm very curious about, and I don't know if you know any more about this, but clearly these guys hated cats. There must have been a deep-seated <laughs> hatred for the felines because... Well, there is throughout is another behind the scene thing where there's always a woman either beating or killing a cat or even when they were even when they were making the Trojan bunny, right. they were killing cats in the woods. Like there's always being a cat beaten or harmed in some way, in some fashion in this movie. Well, you know, the only thing I, I don't know if that's a motif they used uh, elsewhere, but uh, the only thing I can think of is that the because of the setting of the movie, the time period in which it's set. Uh, during the 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 time of uh, plague, uh, cats were were considered, uh, you know, I shouldn't say persona non grata because <laughs> they're not they're not people, but uh, they they were not they a lot of people felt they were the cause of the of the of the plague, uh, when in fact it was they were actually helping to stem the tide. So uh, actually, cats, uh, you know, were for a while until people figured out oh well the fleas that cause the plague are actually on the rats and the cats are killing the rats and and you know okay so some of them are getting the fleas from the rats but it's better to have more dead rats <laughs> uh, so I, I think maybe some of that comes from that uh, but Historical. I but I don't honestly know I'm just kind of taking a stab at it there uh, you know maybe uh, maybe one of our listeners out there knows the answer and they can uh, send in an email uh, spacemules at yahoo.com uh, or uh, or tweet us on Twitter notice I'm getting my uh, my plugs in uh, <laughs> I, I know <noticed. laughs> I'm I'm shameless uh, when it comes to self promotion that way. That's uh, our podcasters are supposed to be. I think I think that's an unwritten rule for us. I know, so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was one of those themes I saw in there, and I'm like, why are they being cats all the time? This is terrible. Now, speaking speaking of animal abuse, yes. Uh, do you know the story behind the rabbit? Right. Keep me covered. What with? Just keep me covered. Too late. What? There he is. Where? There. 
What, behind the rabbit? It is the rabbit. You silly sod. What? You guys all worked up. Well, that's no ordinary rabbit. Oh. That's the most foul, cruel and bad-tempered rodent you ever set eyes on. You tit. I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. Get stuck. He'll do you a, a treat, mate. Oh, you yeah? manky Scots git. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge, sharp... He can leap about... Look at the bones! I did know a little bit about it. I think they, they were borrowing a, a rabbit from a, from a lady who didn't want... The, the rabbit to get dirty. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if you watch the movie, the movies, uh, the, the rabbit's like spattered with blood and, and everything well, else. Well, the, the, actually what happened, I, w- I was doing some research obviously on the movie and, and watched it as well. Just so I could be a little up to date on everything. This movie's a lot older than I am again. They <laughs> actually had the rabbit. The rabbit got blood. It was, well, it was dye. But they got the dying on the rabbit, right? Because they wanted to use the show that, you know, obviously they just killed a bunch of men. So there's, right. you know, the residue of the blood. They couldn't get the red stuff off. The <laughs> dye didn't come off. Huh. So they're feverishly trying to clean this dye off of this rabbit. And some of the guys thought that they had just bought a rabbit, but they didn't realize they had borrowed some other woman's rabbit. So now this rabbit has all of this red stuff that they cannot get cleaned off the rabbit. And have to give (laughs) this woman back this bloody looking rabbit. Oh, man. Which I thought was hysterical. That's (laughs) that's pretty funny. I was like, oops, wrong, wrong die, guys, wrong die. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of, of something I wanted to, to, to mention before I forgot about it before, by the end of the show. Um, as, as everybody who's listened to any of my other episodes knows, I, I was a pretty big geek uh, back in the day. I probably still am, but it's uh, a little more mainstream now, and I can get away with it. But uh, I'm not too ashamed to admit that I played uh, my fair share of Dungeons & Dragons back in the day. And uh, I had a friend of mine uh, who was, I mean, he owned every single game, every single module, every book, everything. I mean, he just, he was super gamer. And uh, his name was uh, Rich, uh, Rich Odin. And... uh, uh, he, I don't know where he found it, but he found a module for Dungeons and Dragons that took you through uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> so it was, awesome. it was D, we played D and D, you going through a, a, a very absurdist uh, Holy Grail type <laughs> atmosphere. So I mean, you were getting uh, cows and chickens and stuff hurled at you <laughs> over castle walls and. You know, had to make saving throws and uh, all of that fun stuff. Now look here, my good man. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. Now, this is your last chance. I've been more than reasonable. Fitchy Lamash. What? Fitchy Lamash. If you do not agree to my commands, then I shall. Now, no, I do, I do have to ask this one question. Did you ever make it to Castle Anthrax, and was there any oral sex? I, I, I honestly don't remember. I mean, you know, I, jeez, how old was I? I was probably like fifteen or or, or so. So uh, finding Castle Castle Anthrax probably was your prime objective. Uh, I I I would think so. Um, but I I don't I don't honestly remember. I just remember uh you know get it, having cows and chickens hurled at me uh it, during the game uh so. <laughs> I don't know, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think my older self probably would have uh, enjoyed that. <laughs> like Holy Grail Anthrax, please. Yes, uh, let's go to Castle Anth- Castle Anthrax. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess I'll have to be your dungeon master next time. Wow, that sounds terribly bad. Never mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that takes on a different connotation too at the, at, the, at this point. <laughs> no, there's there's not a Fifty Shades of Grey movie, and we're not reviewing that. Oh dear uh, God! <laughs> Don't get me started on that crap. Oh my God! Oh. <laughs> Oh, Leave man. it to you to bring up Fifty Shades of Grey, though. That's all I got to say. I, hey, I, I had to work it in there somehow. <laughs> I'll, I'll hashtag it, and we can get more hits on the episode. There you go. See, See I, I'm shameless. I'm totally shameless. I will do that. <laughs> and then, I, then you'll have I, all I, these all these middle aged, uh, you know, women uh, trying, you know, flipping through the uh, podcast trying to find out. Uh, oh, well, when are they going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> and I'll just say it's a, it'll be about at the thirty five minute mark. <laughs> and here in Castle Anthrax, we have but one punishment for setting light the Grail shaped beacon: you must tie her down on a bed and spank her. Spank her well, and after you have spanked her, you may deal with her as you like. And then, spank me. And spank me. And me. And me. Yes. Yes, you must give us all a good spanking. And after the spanking, the oral sex. Now I did I did some looking in uh, IMDb at some of the very attractive female actresses that were in this movie. Yes, and uh, they they have aged. Um, I'm glad it was like, <laughs> well, it's been it's been almost forty years, of course. <laughs> yeah, so they they've aged a little bit. So, but during the movie, they they looked pretty good. Um, yes. Well, one of them. Uh, uh, and the name escapes me now, uh, was, uh, married to, uh, uh, John Cleese, um, Connie, Connie Booth. Yes. Connie, uh, yeah. The witch, the woman who played she, the witch. She played she the witch. Played yeah. And I, I, I'm sure she was probably in the castle anthrax scene too, but, uh, uh, you know, but that brings up a whole other, uh, thing too, is, uh, one of my favorite Python related things was faulty towers. Have you seen faulty towers? I have not. No. Oh have my not. God! Go get it. it it's uh, it's one of those. You know, br- the British are very famous for having short seasons of things. I mean, I think it lasted two seasons, and it's all of like fifteen episodes. But it is uh, John Cleese's uh, sitcom that he did after Python, and it is absolutely hilarious. It's called okay. Faulty Towers. F A W L T E Y. Towers and basically he's an innkeeper with his wife and is played by Connie Booth. Uh, they were still married at the time. I think they've since been divorced. Uh, but it is, it's it's probably about the funniest thing uh, I've seen on television. Uh, it, it's really good. So uh, line that up in your next Netflix queue. <laughs> if it's on Netflix, I will watch it. I, I put it up in. I have it on Wikipedia right now, so I can uh, uh, do a search for it, it later. It is. It's hilarious. It's it's fantastic. That's all I got to say. And, no, that's great. Well, I was going to mention that you yes. had said that they were only on Mighty Py- Monty Python was only on for four or five years. Was that in England? Uh, yes. Show? Yes. In the uh, on the I was BBC. Say, that's that's a long that's a that's a long time for a British show. You know, yes. like you were saying it's you know normally they're only they're very short, very short seasons or very and, short amount of time they have shows on. So four or five years is a, probably a pretty big yeah. thing to say, especially coming from you know Great Britain. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Who, notwithstanding. Um. <laughs> correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. That, that, but again, they they they. They have t- short lives of all of those characters and move on to a new cast. So well, that's true. And they did take some time off uh, in the uh, in the '80s and '90s uh, before they they brought it back. Um, is it, is that officially a side note? Is that officially the longest running TV show? Um, it it's got to be up there. Um, I Other mean, than soap operas, <laughs> maybe I I know Gunsmoke lasted like twenty two years I think and uh, I mean The Simpsons is what twenty three years now right um, let's see yeah. Doctor Who started in the mid sixties it went all the way through like eighty eight eighty nine before they shelved it and then they brought it back um, what like two thousand three or something. I don't, I'm not sure when the new um, the new seasons of of stuff started, but I think I want to say it was like 2003, 2004, maybe when when they started up production again on on the new series. Um, 
but yeah, that's got to be that's got to be you know when you take out the uh, the middle part, they've they've still been on the air for quite a number of years. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I don't I don't know the answer, but it's it's got to be up there. Uh, as far as scripted shows, I mean, there are shows like Meet the Press that have been on forever. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, yeah, more of a scripted show. Yeah, a scripted show. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be up there. So. But uh, so, so what would what would you say is your favorite part of or favorite scene in this movie? Oh, if, you, if you have a singular one, jeez, <laughs> oh, uh, God, um, <laughs> you know it, it's really tough to pick. It's really tough to pick. I if if I had to really you know uh, stake my life on it or something, I I would probably go with the uh, the Black Knight scene. None shall pass. What? None shall pass. I have no quarrel with you, good Sir Knight, but I must cross this bridge. Then you shall die. I command you, as King of the Britons, to stand aside. I move for no man. So be it. You know, the first time I saw it, I was a little shocked by the... The amount of blood and gore, <laughs> but but it was also but it was also co- so comically done that it was you know it was hard to be really upset by it. It was just like I wasn't expecting that level <laughs> of uh, of of you know of of blood and guts in this movie. Um, but but again, that that kind of made it realistic in its in a way, uh, you know. Because you know there were actual consequences to being hit by a sword, uh, you know. Whereas you know in a lot of films it's like, oh, you know, you see it go in. There's no actual blood. The guy falls over, and you know that's the end of it. It's like, oh, okay, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless it's three hundred, then there's lots of blood. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yes. Right. Right. But but I I would say probably one of my favorite scenes is definitely. The the from the scene when they meet Tim all the way in through mm. to where he's trying to read the wall. Yes. So like the the scene where they meet him and he goes some may, some call me Tim. It's like who yes. calls a wizard Tim? Exactly. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then they Tim brings them over and then you have you know obviously oh we'll just go kill the bunny. The bunny rips the guy's heads off and then they go, <laughs> and then you have the scene where you go and they have to bring down the holy hand grenade. Yes. And the then you finally kill the bunny. Go inside and then they're reading the wall and he he's like. Uh, and such and such, ah! Uh, and he's like, "What?" And he goes, it says right here, ah! Uh, he's like, "It can't say that." He goes, "It's right here." He's like, "How would you have time to write ah?" Uh? <laughs> so but, uh, that whole block right there, I think, is beyond hysterical. Yeah, that's so, that's pretty absolutely. fun. But but that brings up another little detail because there there was a whole thing about you know must you know the the number of the counting is three and five is too much and and all that and then even when uh, Arthur is throwing the holy hand grenade he he says one two five <laughs> and, yes <laughs> and, and then says three and throws it but then later at the bridge of death sequence he does he miscounts again because he says oh the the bridge keeper will will uh will ask you five questions and then the guy says no it's three yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like yes three questions look there's the old man from scene 24 what's he doing here he is the keeper of the bridge of death he asks each traveler five questions three questions three questions he who answers the five questions, three questions, three questions, may cross in safety. What if you get a question wrong? Then you are cast into the gorge of eternal peril. So, you know, again, that they carried, they carried that simple. When Sir Robin comes up after Lancelot goes and like, this is easy. <laughs> so he just goes up and he's like, "What's the capital city?" He's like, uh, "I don't know that." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. so such great great scenes in the entire movie absolutely absolutely hysterical and 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 a great part of the special edition 
is the fact that there's an extra 26 seconds. And I love <laughs> that they make a point to say that. Like, there's an extra 26 seconds. So an extra five minutes, an extra 20 minutes, like deleted scenes, just an extra 26 seconds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. They, uh, they talked about that. I listened to the director's commentary, and they talked about that, actually, um, during the commentary. And they said that... Uh, when they before they brought it to America to to premiere it over here, they decided that they didn't they didn't like the scene. It wasn't playing well in Britain, so they said, "Okay, let's cut that scene." Uh, I, I think it was in the castle anthrax. Uh, yep. Scene and they so let, well, let's cut the scene uh, here uh, instead. And of course they had already had the print that they were showing at the premiere, which was the full print. And of course it, uh, it played well and got big laughs (laughs) over here. And then they, they had already made the decision to cut it. Uh, and they said one of the reasons it took so long to, uh, reattach was that the, uh, the, actually the, uh, the film elements were okay because they saved everything. It was the sound, uh, that was bad. Uh, so they didn't have really good sound, and they wound up being able to recreate it, I guess, um, for the DVD. So they were able to, uh, to make it sound better. But for a long time, they weren't able to reattach it to the film because the sound elements were damaged and uh, and were unusable. So um, that was that was kind of the story behind that, I guess. No, no. That's, so, that, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they added it and that they really <laughs> made it, you know, an important part of the special edition. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I, I would be remiss. Uh, you know, it's just kind of uh, fortuitous timing um, that uh, you know you you mentioned you wanted to talk about uh, Holy Grail uh, on the show, uh, and uh, not long after we set this up, I got a an email or a notification uh, on Facebook that uh, Holy Grail is actually going to be shown at Proctor's thanks to uh, my pals over at It Came From Schenectady uh, Productions. Uh, And uh, I don't know the exact date. You'll have to look it up. Um, I think it's like November 14th or 15th. And, uh, you know, so so there. It's it's out there. People are... People... uh, We'll be able to go see it on the big screen, and they they usually they put on a good show over there. I just went over and saw a <coughs> double feature of uh, Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, which was great, a lot of fun. Um, so nice, I nice. so I imagine that the uh, you know Holy Grail uh, showing will be will be a lot of fun as well. I, oh, definitely, definitely. I I don't see why it wouldn't be. So it's one of those things where you want to go dressed up though. <laughs> exactly. So if you're local to the uh, Albany, Schenectady, Troy area, or uh, and, and you hear this before November of 2012, um, it's going to be showing. So go see it. <laughs> yes, it's, 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 wor- it's worth a watch. You, you don't get too many opportunities to see it on the big screen. And uh, I'm, they have a they have a wonderful screen there. And they, they it's a they have a di- it's a digital projection. Um, I think they actually. Uh, get the, I think, um, like Army of Darkness and, and Evil Dead 2 were actually projected from the Blu-ray uh, discs. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm certain that the Holy Grail is probably going to be done the same way. So it's, it's a nice, crisp, sharp-looking uh, image on the screen. The sound is great, um, you know. And the other cool thing, too, and when I've been to some of their shows is... Uh, uh, they've got like um, PlayStation or Xbox uh, hooked up, and it's a giant like 50-foot screen. It's bigger than that uh, quote-unquote IMAX screen over at, at uh, Crossgates. Um, and, and so, you know, you, they, they, pass, they pass the controller around in the audience, and people play. It's usually like a fighting game or something. Um, and uh, <laughs> so you get, awesome. to see, you get to see some uh, pretty giant size uh, video games on the screen. It's kind of it's that's kind of fun, too. So um, but that, that is super awesome. And they didn't pay me for this. I'm just uh, I'm just uh, passing that along because I really uh, I really enjoy going there to, to see movies. And, and it's relative relatively cheap, too. Uh, I think it was only nine bucks for the double feature. And uh, 
I think I read that it was like five or seven bucks for for the Holy Grail. So not a bad uh, not a bad night night out. No, definitely. I think I think that's nice. Maybe maybe I'll drag my girlfriend out and see if she can want to watch it with me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It, you know, if, if she can sit through it, uh, she's a keeper, right? Yeah, that, that's how definitely. it works. <laughs> definitely. Well, just just the other night we built Legos together, so she's oh, already a keeper. Oh, okay. Well, uh-huh. all right, all right. Well, then you know she's already passed one test, so that's good. Well, she she bought she bought me a set of Legos for my birthday, and we hadn't had a chance to like play or build them, and then the other night. We went and basically there was evening. We had wine and we built the Lego set. I was like, "You are so awesome!" <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, before we uh, wrap this up, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on uh, in the movie? There, there was one other favorite scene that I have in the movie. Oh, okay. And, and that's when King Arthur is walking up to someone who's pulling a cart, and he goes, "Excuse me, old woman." And he goes. <laughs> man he's like excuse me he's like i'm a man he's like i'm sorry but from behind you look like a woman and he goes douglas he goes what he goes my name's douglas or doug and he's like he's like what and he's like he's like we didn't ask and then later on he's going they're talking about being like an autonomous you know society and he goes who are you he's like well i'm king of the britons and he's like who's the britons you are and i'm your king and he's like well i didn't vote for you oh then, because, yes the mud far the mud farmers yes mud farmers. that that's probably that's that's up there too of my favorite scenes old woman man ma'am sorry what knight lives in that castle over there i'm 37 what i'm 37 i'm not old well, I can't just call you man. You could say Dennis. I didn't know you were called Dennis. Well, you didn't bother to find out, did you? I did say sorry about the old woman, but from behind you looked... What well, I object to is you automatically treat me like an inferior. Well, I am king. Oh, king, eh? Very nice. And how do you get that, eh? By exploiting the workers. By hanging on to outdated imperialist dogma which perpetuates the economic and social differences in our society. Help, I'm being oppressed. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, and he asks him, he's like, well, how did you become king? And he's like explaining how the Lady of the Lake bestowed, you know, Excalibur on him and stuff. And he's like explaining this whole thing going, like, you can't become king because of that. He's like, he goes, you can't become king because some watery tot just throws a sword at you. He's like, what am I going to tell people I'm emperor? It's like absolutely hysterical. He's like, shut up. Shut up! <laughs> I was absolutely hysterical. I love love that whole scene. There, it's just absolutely amazing all the way. Around. Exactly, and it, you know, and it wor- it works on a, a you know absurd comedy level, but it also works as a, a, on a political level. You know, talk about class structure and and uh, and, and power and everything. It, it it works on so many levels that it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, it's, it's I, I love crazy. that scene too. That that is a great scene. That is a great <laughs> scene. So um, last things, I, I again, I highly, highly recommend anyone watches this. You know, people usually ask me what my favorite movie is, and there's so many movies out there that I think are just great and amazing for so many different reasons. But I, I, this is definitely in my top ten, if not top five, favorite movies of all time. Just because after since 1975, this movie is still just funny. You laugh and you yes. laugh by yourself. You know, it's not one of those movies where you'll sit and you'll like watch it. And then, you know, there's, there's movies that you watch and they're funny, but right. you don't always laugh. You kind of chuckle to yourself inside this movie. You sit and laugh. Like you actually laugh out loud. Yeah. On things. Yep. You just giggle and have a smile on your face all the way through. And, and, um, it just is very uplifting and very enjoyable to watch. And it, I think it takes a certain type of person to really enjoy it, but mm. It's just such an excellent, excellent movie all the way around. So, absolutely agreed. So, on that note, we'll uh, we'll wrap up this uh, this week's episode. Although this this isn't really a weekly show, so I don't know why I always say this week's episode. But <laughs> it, it takes me a week to put it together after I record it. So there, I'll I'll, I'll go. I'll use that as my thing. Uh, I'll but... Use your editing techniques then. <laughs> well, the the hard part, I, it's. If, if all I did was just slapped on some opening credits and closing credits, it would be super easy. But I always, I almost always uh, try to spruce it up, um, you know, with adding uh, music and, uh, you know, qu- quotes and stuff. So it, it, it takes a little longer to put together that way. Um, oh, definitely. Well then, well then, everyone should listen to the Bubkiss show because all we do is slap. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be 
end. And then if there's anything we want to do, we try to do it in between. And then if it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, once again, my guest was uh, Chad Bernanke, who's uh, co-host of the Bupkis Show. And uh, and uh, he's got some other uh, cool things going on as in, uh, in his uh, business life as well that... Uh, you can probably hear about on his show. I, I'm not going to spill the beans here, but uh, oh, that's that's fine. I, I haven't talked about it on the show at all. So oh, well, there you go. So you're not going to learn there either. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the, the show the show is less talking about us, more talking about the rest of the world. So there, you, there you go. <laughs> Curse you. Curse you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's the bupkisshow.com, by the way. Bupkis so. show. So that's B U P K I S, right? Yes, yes, yes. thebupkishow.com. Thebupkishow.com. Yes. All right, Chad, well, it's been awesome talking to you today about uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Thanks, yeah. for, uh, thanks for coming on. And, uh, folks, we'll see you next time on, on the show. I think uh, my guest on the next episode is uh, lining up to be uh, our pal Brian Curtis, who uh, last spoke with me about uh, John Carpenter's movies in the 80s, and uh, we're going to be talking about... Um, graphic novels uh, our favorite graphic novels so I think that's going to be a, a heck of a show and uh, that'll be coming up uh, that'll be coming up in the next month or so so I, I vote for the Watchmen just saying you, you vote for the Watchmen I'm sure that's going to be on the list I'm sure that's going to be on the list I I know it's your favorite it's, it's, it's definitely on my list of favorites too <laughs> so on that note we'll see you next time folks have a good day Salt of the Two-Headed Space Mules is copyright 2012 by Douglas Arthur for Dugside Syndicate. You can contact the show by sending email to spacemules at yahoo.com or follow us on Twitter at Space Mules. And you can also head over to Facebook for the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, updates, and photos. And don't forget to check out Cafe Press slash Space Mules for all of your Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules swag. T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Don't forget to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say... Yeah, yeah, so dumb.